Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know that if you're planning for retirement or aren't sure where to start, we have a helpful checklist for you. We put together a guide called Your Pre-Retirement Checklist and have made it available for free on our website. This detailed checklist covers things pertaining to cash flow, social security, Medicare, asset allocation, and living a purposeful retirement. The link to download the checklist is listed in the episode description, or you can go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll to the bottom, enter your email address, and then you'll have access to your pre-retirement checklist. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. With me are my co-hosts today, Matthews Barnett and Brad Lyons. How you guys doing? Hi, Casey. How's it going? So we are uh, back in uh, COVID, uh, COVID conditions uh, because the AC in the office went out and it's like 145 degrees heat index or something like that. <laughs> Bad timing for it. So we're back doing a Zoom podcast, um, just like the old days. In the comfort of our home with AC, hopefully. So, uh, you know, Brad, I guess we'll get started. I mean, obviously today the topic is um, how do we how do we fix our retirement path if um, if we haven't saved enough, we haven't done enough for retirement. And before we kind of dive into that, you think about uh, the, where the stock market is right now. A lot of people are starting to hit the panic button uh, because they feel like they don't have enough time to make up with what's happening with the market selling off. I'm starting to get phone calls uh, and, you know, proactive phone calls where on the other end, they're saying, well, let's just go to cash and wait this out. And you gotta be, you gotta be really careful in doing that because, um, you know, the stock market looks ahead typically what, six months. Well, that's exactly the point. Yes. That it looks ahead. It's a futures discount marketplace. So as the economy, should it go into a recession or should when it does, and if it when it comes out of a recession, the stock market predicts that well in advance. And if you wait until you get confirmation that we're either in a recession or out of a recession to invest money, this is the, the, the timing problem that people have with trying to time their investments. It just never works. The only way to make the full amount of money that you're ever going to make in the stock market is to remain invested throughout the entire period. You know, why is that so hard to do? Um, I just, I've had two conversations with people that said that, oh, we should be able to time the top of the market. We should be able to time when, uh, when to get out and when to get back in. We're professional investors. And sometimes I'm just at loss for words. <laughs> 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 you know, the, the point, the, the, I guess, the reason is that, you know, if, if I could do that, <laughs> I, I never, I'd be doing it from <laughs> Hawaii. I'd be doing it from Bahamas. <laughs> I'd be doing it on my yacht. I'd be doing it elsewhere. It essentially just be, be able to do it. It's, it's free a money. fool's, what is a fool's game or, you know, or something like that. Uh, it's, it's almost impossible. And then if you do it, if you do it at the top, well, what are you doing? You're, you're taking capital gains and people complain about about that. Nobody likes to pay the capital gains. Right. So it's, it's a very difficult thing to do uh, for lots of reasons, not just the market, but you also have the, the sociology of it as well, trying to get in and out of the marketplace. So 
I mean, the, the, the time, the time to assess your risk tolerance is when you're starting out and not, not in the middle of, Oh, I don't like this. My risk is now less than it was six, six months ago. No, no, your emotions are less <laughs> emotionally. You're thinking differently about it than you were six months ago, but your risk tolerance shouldn't have changed. Right. Right. Everybody right. was you know, people would stick with it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matthews. Yeah, I was saying everybody wants to take on more risk while the market's going up. But uh, like you said, nothing actually changes in that risk tolerance. Just the fact that now emotions start getting in the way once they see it drop. Is that something that can, can, can be fixed? Can you change your emotional thoughts about it? I mean, I've had some really intense conversations with people. And ultimately, I'm not trying to be rude to them, but I look at it as you pay me to tell you the truth. You don't pay me to sugarcoat things and go, OK, we're going to go to cash. I mean, my stance is if I think that person, if, as long as I know that person is not in financially bad situation, their jobs are still intact or their retirement's still intact, um, you know, I'm going to stand firm on on doing the what what I think the right thing is. Uh, if you want to change it, change it near the top. But no one ever wants to do that. No one ever wants to. No, no one ever says, "Hey, you know, this sixty stock, forty bond portfolio is doing really well. I think I'm going to lower my risk." <laughs> right. You know, and that's well, the irony of investing. The more we have, really, the less risk we need to take. Absolutely. Okay? That's right. That's the irony of investing, whereas investors think, well, the more you have, the more risk you can take because you have so much money, you can risk it. You know, I mean, I would. It, it's, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a crazy thought. But these are the types of things that we, uh, uh, you know, counsel clients on all the time is how to look, view your money relative to your objective, okay? And the investments are a way to get from here to there. We talk about this, creating a financial path, you know? So it's uh, it's more to it. And you ask if, if people change their risk tolerance? I don't know. I don't think they do. I don't know that they can change their risk tolerance anymore. They can change how they view other aspects of life, you know, their politics, their their, their friendships, their biases that, that they all come to the table with. And it's our job to try and figure that out. And that's why we spend so much time with our clients up front, right, Casey? We have multiple meetings, just not just going over the financial plan, but helping them to understand how all this is interrelated and how, in the end, it produces an efficacy of over 80% probability of success if we do all the things that are in the recommendations. So... It's um, it's hard to talk to irrational people at times, and they get they they take it upon themselves um, emotionally. They they blame themselves. They say, "Oh, well, the market dropped. Oh, I had a sense that this was going to happen, and I should have reacted to it, and I should have sold something." And that's the problem. You can't invest based on your sense. You know, I want to invest based on numbers and what the numbers say. What did the what does the data say? And the data says, honestly, <laughs> you, you could probably be just the S&P 500 index fund. You'd probably be just fine. And, and the reality is, is how you prepare for this volatility is if you, is that you have enough cash, you have enough cash buffer. So for our retirees, we do that. We have enough cash buffer that we know we can get through this because we know this is going to happen. Uh, for people who are still working, you know, we, we try to monitor their savings accounts and things of that nature. But even then, uh, people just don't like losing. We live in a 
society where we all we all are supposed to be winners, right? No one loses. We we all get a participation trophy, and and if we don't, if we feel like a loser, then we then we go and we see someone and they give us a pill that makes us feel, feel like a winner. And and reality is that to be successful in investing, you, you have to take the droughts um, with with the with the good times. And this is this is kind of one, this is going to be one of those droughts, but. You look back the last 40 years, man, it's been a good 40, 30, 20, really good last 10 years. And you're going to give up, you're going to give up some of that. More importantly, man, if you're still saving for retirement, this is the time to go get the pizza delivery job and throw extra money into the market. <laughs> well, you know, when, when people see their account balances go down because investment levels have gone down, they think it's a flaw of investments that investments are flawed because they can go down. That's really right. not the case. It's a feature of an investment product that it can go down because without going down, it can't go up. And after every down period, it's like building momentum, getting ready for that next push upwards. So yeah. really it's not a flaw of investments. What's flawed in their minds is the timing of the, the decline in, in the stock yeah. market. Okay. Well, what's interesting is some people have told me my money's now back to where it was two years ago or a year and a half ago. And so I need to go to cash now. So they don't think of it as investing. They think that they're at the casino and they put in 200 bucks and now it's worth 400 bucks. But now they've been pulling the slot machine. Now it's back to 200. I don't want to leave the casino with less than what I came in with. So I need, just need to walk out. And, and the odds are in the odds are not in your favor with that kind of strategy for supporting yourself in old age. That's what it comes down to. It so, doesn't help that headlines are like that as well. I've seen multiple headlines talking about that, how you're positioning your portfolios from last year now and, and you, with the availability of that everywhere around you while you're starting to, uh, to freak out a little bit is, is not helpful for your emotions. Right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. And every uh, pullback in the market is unique. Each one's different from the other one. The most recent one during COVID and it pulled back so quickly, but it rebounded so quickly. And we were distracted by this disease over here called coronavirus that, you know, people weren't quite as focused on it as they are now, because right now it's kind of a drip and drab down, 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 down. And they're feeling it every day. They're watching television. They're not distracted by right. other things. So it's the same thing as before, but there's different features of this one that are that make it unique and then people are paying a little bit more attention to this one so they're feeling it more you know but it's 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 a it's a pullback like any other that they survived just two years ago you know? it'd be interesting to see uh, the headlines how many headlines are market related now versus covid related back then um that'd, that'd be interesting to see I, I don't i'm not sure how you pull that data but we can uh we can transition into our main topic i think ultimately um, you know, ultimately we want, um, uh, we want people to see the big picture. And, uh, I, I will add that this, these are unique times because, uh, all this issue, all this market volatility really started in the bond market because interest rates are being raised and the stock market is re reacting to that as, as well as inflation. So, uh, we're getting hit in the bond side and which is supposed to be the more secure side of our portfolio. And we're also getting hit on the stock side at the same time. So people are seeing bigger losses uh, potentially than what they would be expecting. 
because there's really no safe place to hide. You're going to have to write it out. Um, so that, that makes, that makes it feel different too. Um, so going back to that, I mean, uh, if, if we think that, um, if we think that we're going to have a situation where, um, uh, we say we have, we're talking to a person that haven't saved enough. Uh, this is a great opportunity to put some money in, right? I mean, step number one, step number one to, uh, having more money in the future, saving more money today. So this is a great opportunity to get more money to work. And so you're buying more shares per dollar, which gives you a higher rate of return in the long term. Right. So that, that's right. a good that's a dollar good. cost averaging. Yeah, absolutely. So the next, uh, uh, I, I guess, number one, um, we see this quite a bit is if you're, if you're, you know, if, <laughs> carrying debt into retirement is, is such a, um, a bad thing to do. Uh, so it, you think about this, if, if you have $3,000 in debt payments, maybe that includes a mortgage, maybe it doesn't. If it's not there in retirement, and let's say you only have $6,000 of income, that makes a huge difference percentage-wise. You can eliminate half that money going out, right? And actually $6,000 a month may produce a pretty good retirement if you had nothing but your utility bills, right? So it's uh, uh, number one on our list. If, if you're delayed in getting saving, uh, getting money put away for retirement is actually probably not to start saving right away. I would start with eliminating debt and that includes your home. If that's possible, uh, eliminate credit card debt, auto loans, student loans. We want to eliminate debt as much as possible prior to retirement. Now you may not be able to eliminate a loan, but you might be able to refi refinance the loan possibly and stretch that payment out for 30 years to get the smallest payment. And then you'd have the ability, uh, hopefully, to get rid of all the other debt. But I would argue you might be able to live off Social Security, even if you made enough money and paid in enough, uh, if you were almost, if you were basically debt free. So uh, there, you know, people can email us. You can email at education at wiserinvestor.com. We'll send you our debt elimination uh, spreadsheet. Uh, we hand out to people when when they need it. And basically, I use the snowball method and eliminate the debt. I mean, Matthews, you talk to people about that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think some of this, unfortunately, goes back to financial literacy. We see it, you know, they're trying to build that in schools, but at a younger age, people start to build up debt pretty quickly out of school, whether it be, um, you know, with student loans that can get pretty significant where you're, you're paying those off for your entire working career. Uh, you start getting some income and you start charging it to those credit cards at 20% interest rates, and uh, that starts to snowball after a while. So the, the main thing that you got to understand is, you know, what you're doing financially at an earlier age to try to uh, establish those behaviors and, and not get in that debt so you can start investing for the future. And then that also frees up cash uh, long-term as you're able to pay down these, these mortgages uh, aggressively so you don't go into retirement with, with debt. You know, these credit card companies may be some of the most sophisticated marketers and advertisers that, that you'll see. Um, they can convince people that it's actually good for them to take on debt and carry it forever. And yeah. people become so accustomed to having this debt and having these payments that they can't see beyond what life may, what life may be like if it was eliminated. And well, it's just so accustomed to it because they've just been so <laughs> inundated with it, with marketing and advertising for years and years. And then you add on top of that, I hear this over and over, I carry debt so that my credit rating stays high. <laughs> yeah. This is the greatest lie ever conceived. <laughs> by the financial services industry, you know? Uh, I'm hearing it more and more and more. 
Yeah, it's um, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I mean, Dave Ramsey has all kinds of content. You can search on credit rating. I think I saw a quote by him recently that you know, credit score has nothing to do with wealth. <laughs> Right. Um, it's, we, we talk about this a lot. And, correlated. <laughs> we talk about this a lot in episode uh, uh, 106 and 107 uh, on our podcast series. We, we talk about uh, creating a cash flow strategy for retirement, but then our, uh, specifically in episode 107, get rid of debt before you retire. That's important. Um, one, two, if, if someone wants to dive deeper into this, into this topic. Uh, but yeah, you, you are correct. And then what happens is they talk to their friends. We tend to hang out, hang out with people just like us and everyone has debt. And statistically, that's not how you make money. If you become wealthy uh, for the younger people who are listening, if you want to be wealthy, you want to be the person on the other side. You want to be the one making the loan, not the one taking the loan. And it's hard for people to, to realize that, um, that that's what, that's, that's what they need to do. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, uh, financial education for young people is very important uh, to, you know, to try to avoid all this uh, before they get, you know, our age and, and realize they have to back out of it. Um, all right. So we got to get out of debt. We know that uh, an easy, another one is, is work longer and hopefully there's no healthcare or health issues uh, that prevents a person from doing that. But ultimately you stay in the workforce longer age 65 for retirement is probably not as normal as it um, once was and that's moving to 67 to 70 i've noticed uh, a lot of people are working longer uh, also making more money uh, in this in this job market right now it's kind of hard not to be making more money uh, based on the shortage of workers that we have out there and, and some's not as labor intensive too so it's not like some jobs that used to be manual labor type jobs it's you know sometimes where they could be at home or be behind a desk and uh, working their seventies, making same amount of income, but but working a little bit less. So that's kind of the the transfer of the the job market as well. And then an extension of that is Social Security. If you work longer, you can delay your Social Security longer. And from every year that you delay from sixty seven to seventy, you're getting an eight percent increase plus the six percent uh, inflation for this last year. That's a huge increase in in payout for Social Security. So if you can delay till seventy, that makes it um, that makes it a lot easier. Yes, and in your portfolio, in good years, you're having experiencing additional compounded growth that can last for years and years and years out into retirement by just deferring current consumption out of the portfolio. Yeah, yeah. So we're eliminating debt, we're working longer, uh, we're delaying Social Security longer, and then ultimately it comes down to you got to put money away. So if you've got uh, all the debt eliminated, um, then it comes, becomes how much money can you put away? And it's not, you've lost compounding at this point. So where a young person in their twenties could save a dollar, you're probably going to have to save $5, right? So it's, um, uh, it's harder to save more for some, um, now for some people they've had high incomes and they just had bigger expenses for various reasons. So now all of a sudden they have all this free cash flow and they can start parking away a lot of money and be very diligent about it. So in that scenario, um, you probably can make a dent in it, but ultimately um, it's enjoying the lifestyle that you do have uh, and not trying to reach for more if you're, if you're short on retirement funds, for sure. And you want to make sure- you know, Even if you're saving a dollar and you're getting a dollar's worth of value in it in retirement, it's still a good deal. I mean, 
it, the whole point of this is that there are things that it can be done. Even if you haven't taken a lot of time preparing for retirement, there's always ways to improve your circumstance, right? You can eliminate debt, you can save a few dollars, you can work a little longer and defer, you know, uh, 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 withdrawals from the portfolio and, and deferring social security. So there's things that can be done. Um, and even if it's just taking that dollar from today and putting it in the bank account, yes, case you're right, we lose compounding interest on it, but nonetheless, that dollar is sitting there waiting for you at some point in time in the future. So it's a good thing to you know, continue to save money right up to and even through retirement if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Matthews, are you going to say something? Yeah, I was just saying, I know we talk about savings. We haven't mentioned it. You do want to make sure when you're paying off those debts that you have enough savings as well, because the last thing you want to do is pay down those debts and then something else occurs, whether it be, you know, something with your health concerns or car H back of the house. And then you have to go uh, dip into those retirement savings or go back into credit card debt. So I know that's also something that we mention to every client is paying off the debts, but also have enough emergency reserves to, uh, to foresee those uh, circumstances when they come up uh, and then making sure you're trying to aggressively save for retirement in those retirement accounts. That's true. That, and that falls along the lines of our, uh, financial planning philosophy, no stupid debt, right? Next thing is no, no 28% Amex cards. Uh, after that, do we have, um, you know, emergency savings built up after that? Do we, do we have a path to get the mortgage paid off? Do we, are we on track for retirement? Do we have college funding for our kids, um, decided on? Uh, and then after that, we, we want to focus on opportunity money, uh, saving beyond what our, what our needs are for, for something bigger than ourselves. Right. Um, so that, that falls along those lines. I think um, uh, ultimately it's just uh, understanding the situation that you're in and then being able to uh, come to terms with that. I think so many people just aren't even willing to address the issues, right? Um, and so they kind of put their head in the sand. So if you're in your 40s and 50s, don't do that. Start addressing your, your exact financial situation and, and put a plan in place to, to get yourself in a better position. Also, there's another, you know, we're talking about, you know, being prepared for retirement, um, you know, kind of the transition into our topics for, for the next quarter, we're, we're going to focus more on legacy planning. And it's the same way for legacy planning. I mean, it's, it's terrible to go into retirement and not have enough resources. It's also terrible to pass millions of dollars onto the next generation and have no plan, have no plan in place. You haven't taught the kids about how to manage money and, and all that uh, wealth is, is, is spent in one year or, uh, statistically, um, over the uh, third generation, it's all gone, even if there's a business passed on to the next generation. So I, I'm looking forward to that next uh, podcast, uh, but we will kick that off and talk about uh, legacy planning and, and really focus on uh, ultra high net worth um, topics, but also kind of bring it back down to everyday people as well as we uh, walk through uh, different steps, the seven steps of of leaving a financial legacy. And we got some great uh, guests scheduled as well uh, over the next quarter. Excited to bring Jordan back, uh, our CPA. Uh, we're bringing in a couple of guest attorneys. We have a, a local uh, uh, city council board member coming in to talk about uh, uh, teaching the next generation about finances. They're doing that in Marriott City Schools now. Uh, so this should be a good, should be a good series. Unfortunately for us, we have a we have a big change and our uh, 
in our podcast where we're losing Matthews. And uh, so I guess, Matthews, this is your last podcast. And we're sad about that, but we're also happy about your future. Uh, Matthews is no longer going to be with Wiser. He's transitioning into a firm down in Macon, uh, where he can be closer to his his family. Um, Matthews, you got you know, obviously you got married recently, and and we all thought that oh okay good he's he's all stabilized and we can move yeah. forward. And then he threw us a curveball. But uh, I totally get it, man. I mean, I, I don't. I think it'd be hard to to raise children and uh, uh, here and not have support. I don't have support right now, but I but I but I did when when they were real little, which is when you need it the most. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. Uh, I've enjoyed obviously all these podcasts as we transition learning all this over the last few years and enjoyed uh, all my opportunities, obviously at Wiser and getting to know everybody and, and watch the firm grow. So uh, it's been great, but just um, like you mentioned, just uh, what's best for our family right now is just be close to my family in Macon. And then, uh, you know, her family's in Valdosta and niece and nephew in Jacksonville. So it's just uh, better for us to, to, to move on down there. So uh, over the next month as we transition, still look forward to, to keeping in touch and uh, as we, as y'all continue to grow. Yeah. Last day will be July 15th and he's continuing to meet with clients, uh, up until, up until that period. Um, you know, one of the, the ways that we created wiser many years ago is to be a team effort. And so when we lose someone, we're sad, but at the same time, um, it's not like we're, we're a silo and you're only assigned one person. So the team can easily pick up where, if we were to lose uh, lose a member, or if we even if we add a member, uh, that new member can look at notes and history and be able to uh, be able to kind of jump right in on, on the different projects that we work on. But we will miss you on the podcast and and certainly in the office. But we wish you the uh, best of luck to you and your new bride as you continue life in a little more hot uh, environment. Hot, slow environment, but uh, <laughs> and to your point. Uh, Cost of living, uh, man, the case, the case Schiller index shows uh, Atlanta is the most overpriced housing market in the country right now. Yeah, it wasn't the best time with the highest prices around and uh, interest rates doubling on me. So that, that wasn't ideal either. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but yeah, next quarter we'll be launching a whole new or next podcast launching a whole new series. And we're looking forward to our guests as we cycle them through. Uh, seven steps to build a financial legacy. You've got uh, this podcast for those who are listening. You have uh, this podcast to download the pre-retirement checklist off the website and go to wiserinvestor.com. That'll disappear, uh, I guess, in the next uh, next few days. So you got a few few more chances to get your your pre-takeoff checklist, which uh, we had fun creating this one as well. Uh, kind of a astronaut theme, I guess. Which um, uh, I know that uh, I, I've always enjoyed. Uh, watching space travel. Don't know how I would do it myself, but it, it is neat to see what they're doing these days on the rocket pads down in Florida. Uh, guys, uh, great conversation. And I will uh, see you next time, Brad. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> All right. Hopefully with the AC on in the office with our normal re- normal equipment. See you guys. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. 
We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and is not to be considered as investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any financial products, securities, digital assets, or any other investment vehicles or a basis to make any financial decisions. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The host and or guest may personally own securities, digital assets, or other investment vehicles mentioned on this podcast. Neither the host nor guest of the show are compensated for their participation and no referral fees are paid to or received by any host or guest for clients, listeners, or similar interests. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor, tax professional, insurance professional, and or legal professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.